All right. Good morning, Faith Church. What's going on, everybody? Hey, welcome, welcome. It's good to have you in the house. My name is Steve Husky. I'm the lead pastor, and it's our privilege to have you here. want to welcome our Faith Church family up in Lawrenceburg. Let's give it up for them. Hey, man, great to have you guys in the house as well. So um, about a decade ago, probably many of us in this room, there's been a big shift, right? Most of us in this room, we had entertainment centers. Remember the entertainment centers like those big a lot of you are trying to get rid of them now. Come on, stop it. You're trying to sell them. Don't nobody want your entertainment center. They're gone, right? Something's changed because, you know, TVs have gotten, um, they've gotten thinner and they've gotten larger. And so people have gone away from the entertainment centers and now they put them up on wall mounts above, you know, mantelpieces and all those. But back in the day when, uh, when we had our entertainment center and that's where we kept our TV, obviously things were much lower to the ground. And uh, our son, Zach, at that time being pretty young, you know, little toddlers kind of pull themselves up and they maneuver around the room. So all the way back when he was a little kid, when our television set was kind of just high enough for him to touch, I don't know what he had on his hand, but at some point he touched our TV screen with his jelly-filled hand. I don't know what it was, but it left an indelible mark that we couldn't wipe off. We couldn't get rid of it. It was kind of like I had these mixed emotions about the mark on my television set because sometimes you would look at it and I would just get a flutter in my heart, my boy. <laughs> like seriously, like several years as he's growing up, like there's that tiny little handprint. And then there's times I'm trying to watch like sports television, and his handprint's in the way. Punch him in the throat, touch my television set. But it's funny, man, I'm telling you, no matter what, I don't know really what was on his hand but no matter what we tried to wipe it off with, it just would not go away. It was there until we got rid of the TV, which I'm surprised my wife let me get rid of the TV with his handprint on it. But here's what I, you know, I'm thinking about, um, you know, that mark that was there for so many years. I, I wonder what it would be like if we, could, if we could leave a mark on someone's life. Now, as we think about that, we all know that's possible. Many of us in this room, we have, we have stories of how people have marked our lives. But some of those marks have not always been helpful. Some of them have been hurtful. A lot of us in this room, we have stories of teachers or mentors, big brothers and sisters, family members, moms and dads, grandmothers and grandfathers, people who've left this mark on our life. And again, they've not all been helpful. Some of them have been hurtful. Some of you have been hurt in churches by pastors. Some of you have been hurt by family members that took advantage of you. Some of us have been marked by friends, by words they spoke behind our back or worse to our face. And sometimes it's not been intentional. Sometimes it's just been accidental. I know my own life, there's been times I've marked situations with an attitude, a personality, a word, and I didn't mean to mark it, but I left a mark. Come on, anybody know, you know what I'm talking about? Like we have been people who we've marked situations and we've been marked. And so as we step into this series, what I want to, here's a question I just want to pose today. And I want us to wrestle through this for today and for the next several weeks. Here's the question. Is it possible, is it possible to live in such a way that we intentionally, not accidentally, but we intentionally mark the lives of those around us in a positive and permanent way. Think about, think about the power of just that being a possibility. Of all of us in this room, not accidentally, but intentionally, not harmfully, but helpfully, leaving marks in people's lives 
around us that when we're gone from planet Earth or when we're gone out of a situation, when we're gone out of a work environment, when we graduate from a program, when we move to another area, we have left an indelible positive mark in the lives of those around us. Think about the possibility. I mean, I just believe with all of my heart that's exactly what we're called to do. In fact, I would say this today, that it's not just something that we could do. I think it's something that we should do. In fact, what I'm going to argue today for a few minutes as we have this talk and this chat is I think it's specifically part of our person and purpose to leave marks in the situations we're in and the relationships we're in and the environments we find ourselves that like my son's handprint, that when we're gone, there's still a mark, there's still a print, there's still a, something left there. And so today we're going to step into week one of this brand new series entitled Fingerprints. And for many of you that are a part of Faith Church and you're here week in and week out, you know we preach in series. And if you're new here, a series means we just don't cover one topic one week and go on to a new topic. Typically, we cover a topic for anywhere from three to five to six weeks. In those series, typically, they're, all the messages are connected, and typically, they tend to build on each other. So I, the reason I share that is because today, we're not going to really get in how you can leave a mark. Today, I just want to set the pace. Today, I just want to build a foundation for all of us in this room to know this, that before you can ever know how you can leave a mark, you need to know you've been marked. In fact, you're taking notes, you can write this down. We've all been marked by God so that we can mark others for God. Everybody say, I've been marked. Now, you may not know it again because when we, when we say that word, I've been marked, probably many of us in this room, we will revert back to negative memories, difficult childhoods, broken marriages, hard relationships, and we will think about the hard things and the difficult things and the challenging things that have marked our lives. And I just want you to know, I heard someone say it this way, that hurt people hurt people. If the mark in your life that you revert back to is hurt and pain, you will continue to pass on to others hurt and pain. But if we will see how God has intentionally marked us, how he has put his fingerprint on our life, I want you to know something. We can walk in this world leaving a mark for God because we've been marked by God. Come on, is anybody down for that kind of life? So as we maneuver through this, I just want to talk about the very specific ways that God has marked our life. We're going to look at a lot more scripture than we typically do on a Sunday morning. And so I want you maybe just to jot them down. If you miss anything up in Lawrenceburg or Florence, you miss any of these notes, you can always go online later at igotofaith.com and you can pick up the messages, you can pick up the notes. But here we go. So I want you to write these things down. Number one, this is how God has marked all of us in this room. Listen, you don't have to be religious and you've been marked this way. You don't have to have ever been in church. This can be your first time, and I promise you, you've been marked this way. All of us in this room, it doesn't matter your color. It doesn't matter how much money you got in the bank. It doesn't matter your education. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. All of us in this room, every person, if you are a human being, you have been marked this way. You have been marked as God's creation. Come on, somebody. I, I know that's not very exciting and sexy anymore because we live in a society that tells us that, that, that you have just kind of naturally spawned and generated in a pool of scum and like you crawled out millions of years ago. I just choose to believe that exactly what God's word says, that I have been made in the image and the likeness of God. He has marked you and he has marked me. He's put his fingerprint on us. And think about this. When we talk about that, I mean this, that God has very specifically and uniquely made us. If you go all the way back to Genesis 1, and it's the creation story. 
The creation story tells us how God made everything, and he made everything by his word. He would say things like, let there be light, and there was light. Let there be birds, and there are birds. And so God created everything by his word. But the very cool thing is, is this, is that God made us unique. Everybody say unique. Unique in form and in function. We are the only part of God's creation. Everything else he made by his word, God formed us, which means God put his, God put his hand on us. God put his, God put his print on us when he formed us and we made us. He didn't put his print on anything else the way he put his print on our lives. And so when I say that God has marked us as his creation, and I'm talking about form and function, what I mean is that, that as a human being, as a person, as an individual, God has uniquely marked you and created you and me to have a very specific form and function. Here's what it says. Genesis 1.26 says, then God said, come on, everybody read this. This is what God said, thinking about your future. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Now, these words are very, very similar in fact, some Hebrew scholars would argue that the reason these words are used is it's just repetitive. It's redundancy. It's to make an exclamation point. It's to make a mark that we're made in his image and his likeness, it, that it's the same word. And it, it is, but it's not. These two words co- very much complement each other. We've been made in the image of God, and we've been made in the likeness of God. That's his his image is his form. His likeness is his function. And those two things go hand in hand. Who God is, we see the expression in his function, who God, how he exists, how he lives, what he does. And so when God created you and when God created me, he made us in his image. Let me talk about his image for a minute. That's, that's the form. We are unique, unlike anything else in God's creation. This is why life, this is why life is important. This is why, why life in the womb has value. This is why life, the sanctity of life, is because it's only human beings, it's only people, it's only you and it's only me, that we have been made uniquely in the image of God. What that means is, is that God has passed on to us a part of who he is. It's so cool. Theologians use terms, and we've talked a little bit about this in the past, but the way you describe God is, is his character, his, his nature. Theologians use words like his attributes. Like, what is God? What is God like? Is God a big, mean, grumpy grandpa in the sky that hates the world? Does God care? Is he engaged? Is he involved? And so theologians reading God's word have kind of put a kind of parameters around who God is so we know and we, we, we learn from scripture that God is omniscient, that God knows everything. He knows everything. He knows what you thought, what you did. He knows everything. He knows every detail of all of our lives. And, and it, some of you, that freaks you out because you're like, oh, he knows that? Oh, baby, he knows. But it, it's not from, the, again, this, 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 like, this covering like mean, like you did what? You said what? Like it's, it's this other side. Like the hairs on your head are numbered. God's saying like every part of you is precious. Every tear you've cried, Psalm says he's stored in his bottle. And so God knows everything there is to know. God is omniscient. God is all powerful. He's he's omnipotent. He's omnipotent. God is powerful. There's nobody as mighty as the almighty. Come on, somebody. That's who God is. 
That's who God is. So he's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He's all-present. He's, he's omnipresent. He's everywhere at one time. I'm one place at one time. He's everywhere all the time. He's with you, and he's with me, and he's with people on the other side of the planet. He was with people yesterday. He'll be with people tomorrow. He is present everywhere all the time. Listen, there's no place you can go where you can escape the presence of God. So that's who God is. God is eternal. God has always existed and always will exist. God is, is, is immutable. That means he never changes. You can count on the God who was yesterday is the God who is today, which is why you should read scripture. Because when you see how faithful God is, how good God is, how miraculous God is, when you read scripture, you can say that God is still the God today. I can believe him to do great things in my life because he doesn't change. And so God, again, because we've been made, we've been marked by God in creation. He's put his fingerprints on us, which means that we in part reflect who he is. We reflect who he is. We've been made in the image and the likeness of God. So he's passed on to us part of his attributes. There's things that he could never pass on to us because there are things that make God uniquely God. Do not be confused. You are not God. But do not be confused. You're greater than a tree or a frog or a fish. Because he's made in us, in human beings, the capacity to love. God is love, and he's passed on to us the ability to love. God is a just God. He hates sin. He hates lawlessness. God's put in us this, when we read things in the paper, when we see things in the news, we, we get angry. How could that be? How could someone rape a child? How can war happen? Where did that come from? God's marked us with justice. Mercy, the capacity to show someone mercy. Like we have it in limited form, but all of that has been passed on. There's some stuff he couldn't pass on. Like God doesn't change, we change. You never know what you're going to get from me. My wife said, amen. <laughs> Better not say amen. I had some ushers carry her out. <laughs> so here's the thing is God's marked us in form, but this is where we need to go today because this will set the pace for where this whole series goes. We weren't just made in his image. We were made in his likeness. We weren't just made just in form, but in function. Like God didn't just make you as a person, but God gave you a purpose. In fact, check this out. The rest of this verse, Genesis 126, 126, 6. Don't say I said that because I didn't. I'll edit it out and nobody will know. I'm saying. There's been studies done about it, about how much. Anyways. Come on, y'all lighten up. Everybody, I can't believe he's saying. We're finding a new church. Genesis, Genesis 126. Come on, read this. Then God said, let us make man in our image. That's our form. According to our likeness, that's our function. Let them have dominion. Everybody shout dominion. Amen. Dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over, read it, all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. See, part of our function was because God is sovereign. God is in control. He is the king. He has all authority. God has passed on to us being made in his image. The mark he put on your life wasn't just to reflect who he is, but it was to reflect part of what he does. What he does is, is he has authority and he rules. He passed down to us. He said, I want you to take dominion. Everybody say dominion. He says, I've given you authority, which means simply this. The most basic way I can say it is God wants us to be an influence. 
The same way God influences our life, God wants us to be an influence to the lives around us. The same way God marks things under him, God wants us to mark things under us. Which means that, that in original creation, God ordained man and called man, called us to be an influence over creation, to influence relationships we're in, to influence, in a, in, remember we said this definition, in an intentional and positive way. God gifted you, ordained you, he gave you a purpose to leave a mark, to leave a mark. And so I would simply say this way, we were created to be a reflection and to take responsibility. So when people see us, we, we see something about God. Again, we see the capacity to love, we see justice, we see mercy, we see creativity, all from God. But also in seeing us, we should see our function, that we're here to, to leave a mark, to influence those things under us and around us. You should mark your kids. You should mark your work environment. You should mark your classroom. You should mark the assembly line you stand on. You should mark the church you're a part of. You should mark the small group you're in. Come on, everybody say mark it. You should mark what's around you because God created you to leave a mark. Here's, here's the downside, though, is when you read the creation story in Genesis 6, Lawrenceburg, you can follow it. Florence right here, we know that sin entered into creation. Without getting into all the details, Satan, the tempter, slides into a perfect creation, tempts Adam and Eve, and, and instead of taking authority, come on, right? That's what God called them to do. Instead of taking authority, they submitted to that authority. Instead of being over sin, they submitted themselves to sin. And here's what happened. The form, the form that God put in us was tainted and twisted. The function to leave a mark was warped. For example, I'll give you right away because immediately scripture gives us this example. Instead of being a, an intentional and helpful influence, one of the first things we read after sin enters creation is the first murder. We still mark, but we don't do it intentionally and we don't do it helpfully. Now that's why many of us have stories of how people have hurt us and harmed us and abused us and taken advantage of us, whether it's politics or pastors or religion or teachers or anybody. It's because we have been marked, even though originally our form and function was to reflect who God is and what God does. We see Cain kills Abel. He marks him with a rock. <laughs> we maybe haven't been marked by rocks. We've been marked by words and circumstances and situations. But I don't, I don't want to leave this without you recognizing it is still who you are. You were made to reflect the image of God. You were made with the responsibility to mark your world. Everybody say, leave a mark. Come on, Lawrenceburg, leave a mark. Number two, you weren't just marked by God in creation. You have been marked as God's child. You've been marked as God's child. Now, probably all of us in this room have had an experience like this, or at least many of us in this room. You know, if you're a teacher, if you have kids as parents or grandparents or, you know, an aunt or an uncle, anybody here ever have a kid run up to you with a picture they've drawn? And they're so excited. As a pastor, I'll tell you, I've gotten this a lot over the years. Kids will come out of kids' church and you know, they'll, you know, parents will bring their kid to me and, you know, man, my son just wanted to see you, pastor. He made you something back in kids' church. I'm like, well, let me see it. Like, look, pastor, I made you this. And I'll be like, let me see it. Well, that's kind of high. He's short. Let me see it. <laughs> I'll be like, oh, that's, 
You know, I'm <laughs> and you finally get it like where you say, man, that's so nice. Like you have it upside down. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And here's why I can't see what the creator intended because I'm not the creator. Only the creator can tell you how something needs to be looked at. See, we've been looking at ourselves all wrong because we're not the creator. God said, I want you to see the form and function that I created you with. I want you to see the purpose I've given you as a person. The reason you're on planet Earth is to leave a mark, to put your fingerprint on relationships and situations around you in a very positive, intentional, and helpful way. And so we've been marked as children of God. Sin came, but it was always God's purpose. This is so great about God. The first thing you find in Scripture when mankind sinned is God went looking for Adam and Eve. See, you think God's mad at you. You think God doesn't want anything to do with you. Like, you go figure it out. When you get it right, come back, and maybe we can talk. Man, God is pursuing you. If you've messed up, God's chasing you. If you're away from God, he's looking for you. God has always been on a passionate pursuit for all of us. And so he comes looking for him, and not only because the form and function was warped and twisted because of sin, again, he always had a plan to fix it. What was the plan? Jesus. Jesus was the plan to fix the pain. And what we forget about Jesus is Jesus is not only the Savior, Jesus is not only the Savior, he's the standard. Here's what I mean by that is, so Jesus came to rescue us from the brokenness of sin, to save us. He came to make a way for us to be forgiven because we couldn't forgive ourselves. He came, came to make a way for us to be good enough because we couldn't be good enough in our own ability. That's why Jesus came. Jesus came to save us, but he didn't just come to be the Savior. He came to be the, come on, say it, the standard, which means as you follow me, not only will you follow me forgiven, but here's what I want you to do. This is how now I want you to live because I've restored to you your form. Come on, and you're functioning. God's saying, I, I marked you in creation, but I also marked you as my kid because I still want you to leave your print. Notice what it says about Jesus. Remember, remember, we were made in his image and likeness. Notice how the authors of the New Testament describe Jesus as God's son. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says that who is the, Jesus is the exact likeness of God. We were made in the image and the likeness. Jesus is the exact likeness of the Father. Colossians 1.15 says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He would say things like this. If, you, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You want to know what the Father's like in form and function? Check me out. You want to know what God is like? You want to know his attributes? You want to know his character? You want to know how he, how he feels about situations? You want to know how he feels about hurting broken people? You want to know how he feels about disease? You want to know what he can do about it? He says, look at me. And so Jesus came. Come on, watch this. Not just to be our Savior, but to be the standard, which means as you look at Jesus, Jesus is also the image of the invisible God, but we're also called to match him as our, the image too. That's why Paul says in Romans 8, 29, I told you we give a lot of scripture, but it's important. For whom he foreknew, God knew every one of you before you would ever be born. He knew your mistakes, your mess-ups, your fails, your flops, your every word, every thought, every deed, every action, the good, the bad, and the ugly baby. God knew it all. Whom he foreknew, he also predestined. God's original plan 
and purpose was always for us to be conformed to the image of his son, to get our image back. Come on, to get our form and function back, that we would be a reflection and we would walk in responsibility, that the world we live, like we're reflecting God to our, to our spouse. We were re- reflecting God's character. We're putting a fingerprint on our marriage. Some of you have been putting a, a hurtful fingerprint on your relationships, on your marriage, on, on your relationships. And God said, listen, I've, I not only created you, but I've called you my kid so you would be intentional and helpful in the print you leave because God says, that's what I've done. My form and function is to leave an intentional print that heals and helps and restores. And as my kid, as you reflect my image, I want you to do the exact same thing. So we're called to be like Jesus. I know that's heavy, isn't it? Like, good luck with that. The good news is, is it starts simply in a moment. Being like Jesus is a moment and a lifetime. Everybody say that. A moment and a lifetime. It happens in a moment. That's why the Bible uses this terminology. You're born, and then when you come to Jesus, you know what they call it? I thought the Holy Spirit was coming right there. It says we're born again. Like I'm born brand new. I come into this world because of what Jesus did for me on the cross and because of what the power of the Holy Spirit does in our life, what we can never do for ourselves. God's word describes it like you're born all over again. You're made brand new. That old person where you, that that warped brokenness, it's been gone away and now you are a brand new person in Christ. That means we can leave the imprint and the fingerprint that God's called us to. In fact, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, come on, everybody read this. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become what? A new person. You know what you get when you become a new person? You get your form and function back. You're called to leave a print. The old life is what? Gone. The accidental, the harmful, it's gone. The new life of being intentional and helpful has begun. Man, I love it. In a, very, in a moment, when you just say, God, man, I, I can't save myself. I can't fix myself. There's nothing do, I can do to restore myself. But Jesus, I believe you came to rescue me. I believe the Father loved me enough to never abandon me but keep pursuing me. And he sent you to find me, to save me, to heal me, to restore me, to make me your child. And when you put your faith in the simple reality of God sending his son to die for you, in that moment, in a moment, you're forgiven. You're born again. You become God's child. All over this room, we have communion cups. I want you just to grab one. See, this is, this is what communion is about. See, sometimes we have, we have a way of thinking, not me. God, not me. I, I messed up too much. I've fallen too short. I'm not there yet. And I want you to know what we celebrate in communion is a way of saying that, that the body of Jesus as represented by the wafer, The blood of Jesus is represented by the juice. It's a way of saying, man, you're not enough, but he is. God, I'm not there yet. I I can't. God is saying, listen, I'm big enough to forgive you. God's word says it this way, that where sin abounds, God's grace abounds even more. You know what he's saying? No matter how big your sin is, God's grace is even bigger. Ooh, I like it. And so some of us are on the other side, and some of us, we get in the game, 
we gave our life to Jesus, and we start fooling ourselves and start thinking we did it. And we come back to communion. Remember, it's all about the moment. I want everybody in this room to know it's about the moment. No matter how broken you are, in a moment you can be healed and saved and forgiven. And no matter how good you've gotten in your journey, no matter how good you've got at leaving Prince, it's really never you. It's always been what Jesus has done through you. You didn't mark yourself, God marked you. You didn't make yourself, God made you. You didn't save yourself, God saved you. And what he's done for us and in us and through us, that's what we celebrate in communion. I want you to know this is a sacred moment where we pull in and we just get really humble and we just get really thankful. Lawrenceburg, as you grab the cups, I want us to just take a moment and I want us to take communion together. No matter where you're at, I want you to know he absolutely loves you. And if you question it, all you have to do is to look at the price that he paid to save you. He loved you enough that he gave it all. And so as we take the wafer that represents his body, I want to invite everybody in this room to just take a moment, a sacred moment, a sacred second, where you consider the price that was paid for you. As we celebrate as a church family what Jesus did to restore our form and our function. God, we're so grateful today to stand knowing even though we could never save ourselves, you sent your son Jesus to save us. We could never fix ourselves or repair ourselves, but you made a way for us to be made brand new, for us to be born again. And so, Lord, I pray, God, over this house, over both our campuses, that, God, we would just find this moment right here where we're just in awe of your love and your goodness. You've marked us. I'm marked Come on, you just need to whisper that under your breath. I'm marked. I'm marked by God as this kid. And so, Lord, we're grateful that on the cross of Calvary 2,000 years ago, you allowed your body to be broken for us so we could be made whole. Thank you for your great sacrifice. Can we take the bread together? And the cup represents his blood, the blood of God's son intentionally shed on our behalf. Words like atonement. The word atonement means he's a covering. He covers us, covers our mistakes. Some of you in this room, you know what it's like to have a friend cover for you. Jesus is our best friend. He covered for us. Covered for every mistake, every mess up, every mishap. He covered for us. That's what we celebrate in the blood. It's our atonement. It's our covering that when God looks at us, he doesn't see our mistakes. He sees that we are righteous. He sees the goodness of Jesus in us because of what Jesus did for us. Can we drink the cup together as we celebrate God's blood said for us? So we've been marked. We've been marked as God's creation. We've been marked as God's child. And think about this again. It's not just a moment. Here's what I want to hang for the last few minutes. It's a moment and it's a lifetime. Everybody say a lifetime that we learn to walk out what God has done for us in the world we live. So one of the, one of the, I've always worked, always had jobs, but uh, when I turned 16, one of the jobs I got was a, um, I got a job at a grocery store I worked there for five years, and uh, until I went off to college, um, I was working there in college. When I transferred to Bible college, I had to quit because I moved away and started as a, uh, as a cart boy. 
See, y'all don't know nothing about it. These punks in the parking lot that push five carts with a machine. I'm like, I want to run you over my car. For real, we had to push carts like 20, 25 rows of carts with this thing called a back. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Was anybody here a cart boy back in the day? Thank you, Jesus. Woo, man, I'm telling you, these cats are spoiled today. And so we were a bagger, so we would bag groceries. We'd have to clear the cart. And then I got a raise and a promotion. Now, you need to know this about the store I worked. It was a, um, it was a union store. You know, they had union grocery stores, a union grocery store, which means I was getting paid. That's exactly what that meant. And so I got a promotion. Uh, first promotion I got, I was a, a checkout clerk. Now, here's what's crazy is we had to go through this training. And let me back up and say it. So officially, my classification in the contract was I was a checkout clerk. I was no longer a flunky cart boy. I don't do none of that no more. I'm a checkout clerk. <laughs> so classification, I was a checkout clerk. I had the brand new smock and name tag that said I was a checkout clerk. Now, everything legally said I was a checkout clerk. I didn't know anything about being a checkout clerk. Like, I would watch checkout clerks like, beep, beep, boop, boop, beep, beep, boop, boop, beep, 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 And they're like, and I was like, and like a flip it over. Come on. It took me like four hours to check one person out. So in form, in the moment, I was, as far as anybody was concerned, legally in the company, I was as much a checkout clerk is someone who had been doing it 20 years. I wasn't doing it near as well. I wasn't near as good. I wasn't near as... Anybody here know what I'm talking about? Like when you become a child of God, you're as much a child of God as I am. I'm as much a child of God as you are. You're as much a child of God as the most godly person you think. Now you may be in your walk like, boop, boop. (laughs) Like I'm going to get this. I'm going to get... Like we had to go through two weeks of class where we learned all the fruits and vegetables. So when it came through, you knew immediately that's star fruit. And it's code 329 pound. Come on, somebody. Y'all don't know nothing about no star fruit. Like we knew it all. And the longer I did it, the better I got at it. It's a moment and a lifetime. In a moment, you become a child of God. You are no more a child of God 10 years later than you are the moment you get saved. However, you are more in the function, which means I'm living, leaving more intentional prints and more helpful prints the longer I serve God because I'm immediately in the form, but God helps me to walk out in the function. I want everybody to know something. You're not there yet. You may be absolutely a child of God, but God has called all of us to walk more consistently and more regularly as a mark maker in the world we live. Come on, somebody. Anybody here want to leave some marks in our world? And so he says it this way. Paul says, watch this. He says, and we've put on the new man. Not your old personality and old bad habits where you accidentally help people or you intentionally harm people. We are intentionally helping in the prince we lead. And we put on the new man who is renewed in the knowledge according, watch this, to the image. There's that word, to the image of him who created him. So we've been marked as God's creation. We've been marked as God's kids. You've also been marked by God's call. For the next couple weeks, this is where we're going to hang, which means this, everybody in this room, God has given you very specific How am I going to mark? What do I have to mark? God has given every one of you a very specific personality and gift set and tool set. He's given you money. He's given you moments. He's given you influence. And mine's different than yours. And yours is different than mine. You have a very unique fingerprint. 
we can all touch and leave a print. But because you are uniquely you in how God's created you, I can never leave the print you leave. And you can never leave the print I leave. Romans eleven twenty nine. 29, as we close, says this, every voice, for God's gifts, come on, read it, and his call can never be withdrawn. God's given you a unique call. God's given you unique gifts. The only question is, are you leveraging them to leave a mark for the next several weeks? We're going to talk about what it means to leave a mark. But I want you just to leave the day knowing before I ever worry about leaving a mark, I need to know I've been marked. I've been marked to leave a mark. Everybody say that. I've been marked to leave a mark. So last thing you can write down, leaving a mark is an intentional investment of our identity into other individuals. It's not just what you have, it's who you are. Leaving a mark is an intentional, like this week you need to be intentional. It's an intentional investment of who you are, what you have, your gifts, your talents, your treasures, your resources, you're leveraging those. Ultimately, it's your whole identity. It's who God created you and called you to be into other individuals. How many of you in this room would say, Pastor Steve, I, I want to be, be, be a person that, that marks. I want to start leaving my fingerprint. I want to be intentional and helpful in my environments and my relationships. How many here want to start leaving an intentional mark? An intentional, helpful mark. Father, today we are so grateful that you have marked us. God, it's easy sometimes to lose sight of it in our own personal struggles, in the hurt that others have done to us. But Lord, I pray today that you bring it to the forefront of our attention, that God, you've marked us. God, you've marked us with your character and your capacity. God, that's why you sent your son Jesus to restore that in us. And so Lord, I pray that God, you would help us to begin to walk that out that in our callings, in our giftings, in our talents, that, God, we would begin to very intentionally invest our identity in the individuals around us. Help us to leave a mark because we've been marked. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agreed said amen, amen. God bless you guys.